Hi, I'm Brian Levy, and this is my colleague, Stephanie Rossick. We are here to answer the frequently asked questions that we've been asked year after year from prospective clients, as well as current clients that have ongoing questions. So let's zip through these, and hopefully we will make your, uh, your journey a little bit easier. If a client is interested in coming on service with Cambridge Caregivers, what is the process? The first thing they need to do is call us. They'll be connected to a community liaison, which is somebody like me, who will walk them through the process and get them connected to the uh, onboarding documents, which need to be filed before we can open a file. Do the community liaisons help assess the care needs? They do. They will speak to the client or to the person who's calling on behalf of the client, the sibling, the child, the wife, the husband, um, and will... Uh, get a better idea of exactly what this client needs. So the prospective client's going to fill out onboarding documents online. They hit submit. Then what happens? Once they file the onboarding documents, a file will be created for them. And uh, the marketer or the community liaison will get together with scheduling and will start making a match for a caregiver. Does the client get to meet with the caregiver ahead of time? Usually, no. Generally, we find that's not helpful. Um, because it doesn't show you really how they give care. So what we try and do on our end is make the best match based on the information we're given, both on the telephone and through the onboarding documents. And uh, we have 200 caregivers. So we have a pretty good selection of people to connect um, and to match with that client. We do a pretty good job of that based on the information we have. How quickly can we deploy well, we can usually deploy within 24 hours, although sometimes we've been known to deploy much, much faster. If somebody calls up and they're desperate, they're like, we're getting discharged in three hours. We need it. They said we can't go home unless we have caregiving set up. And then uh, we can be pretty nimble if we need to. How does a caregiver access the home if the client can answer the door? There are several ways, and we try and arrange that beforehand, obviously, by either uh, installing a lockbox there, kind of like a realtor would have. We can hide the key, and if there's a caregiver in the house already or somebody in the house already, they can let the next caregiver in. When a client requires transportation, do they use the client's car or the caregiver's car? It's entirely up to the client. Most times, they're more comfortable in their own car. Um, because it's either, you know, a SUV and they kind of step up into it or a sedan and they step down into it. And so generally they like to use their own car. There's no charge if uh, we use the client's car. If they elect to use the caregiver's car, uh, there's a nominal charge, a mileage charge based on the IRS um, uh, mileage calculation. Does the client have one direct contact with Cambridge Caregivers? Yes, they'll be connected to community liaison who will be their partner throughout the entire process. Via cell phone? Via cell phone. Yes. If a client wants to make a scheduling change, what is that process like? Uh, they need to call their community liaison uh, who will let scheduling know, or they can call scheduling directly. Generally, I will connect my clients directly with scheduling, so they kind of cut me out. Um, and have a more direct access. A lot of times they'll arrange with the caregiver to change the hours, um, and that's fine. They just have to let us know, so we change it in our computer. The community liaisons and the schedulers are all available 24-7, 365 via cell phone? Absolutely, yes. Let's talk about the staff. Okay. How qualified are the caregivers? 
Well, we have a pretty exhaustive interview process. So we know that, you know, our caregivers are all background checked. They have um, a lot of experience beforehand, but we also offer training. We have a director of nursing who, as part of our orientation process uh, and continuing on, uh, trains our new employees and our existing employees. We have uh, in-services um, regarding different issues, um, including dealing with dementia, using a Hoyer lift, um, using a gate belt, things like that, that are ongoing. So we check their credentials, obviously, if they're licensed as an RN, an LVN, an EMT. Um, but more importantly, we offer continuous training, ongoing training. I know at Cambridge, all of our staff are W-2 employees. What is the difference between a contractor and a W-2 employee? Good question. A uh, W-2 employee is somebody who's on our staff. In our case, they receive benefits from us and we pay most of their premiums. Um, benefits including? Medical, dental, mental, <laughs> um, a whole slew of of benefits we offer them, 401k, vacation pay, et cetera. Um, a contractor is generally somebody off the street who comes in and wants to work. And a lot of companies use contractors. Uh, we never, ever, ever do that because it's important to us that we know who we're dealing with, that we've screened them, um, and that we know who they are. How are they screened and how are they trained? So employees are screened beforehand by HR, who runs criminal background checks, um, checks for licenses for LVNs, RNs, EMTs. Uh, and then they go through a orientation process where they receive training from our director of nursing. And after that, they receive ongoing training throughout their time with us on uh, different topics. We bring in experts to talk about specific diseases, Alzheimer's, ALS, Parkinson's. Um, we train for use of the Hoyer lift, uh, gate belts. Um, our director of nursing is actively involved with our employees to make sure that they're continually receiving training. If a caregiver is not a good fit, what is the process to either correct or to pivot? So we really try very hard in the onboarding process and getting everything set up with scheduling to make a really good match. It's not always perfect. And so if it's something that we can change, i.e. the caregiver's nails are too long, uh, they're their hair is in their face, we need them to pull their hair back, they're talking too much, too little. We will counsel our caregivers. In the event that we can't get past that, we have 200 employees on staff, so we can easily pivot and assign somebody else to that client. Let's talk money. Let's do. What are the rates? So the rates will vary depending on the condition of the client, the location of the client, um, the care plan, uh, whether uh, it's a couple versus a single client. So we uh, do an assessment in the beginning. The community liaison will uh, ask questions, will often come out to the house to see what's going on. And based on that, and based on whether they need a caregiver versus an LVN, an RN, an EMTP, um, we'll make an assessment and let the client know what the charge will be. Great, and is there a minimum number of consecutive hours per day? Well, 
Cambridge requires eight hours per day as a minimum. Anything less than that, we charge a surcharge for. So we've been talking about onboarding documents. It's a service agreement, and what does that mean? Well, it means that uh, you're obligated to pay us for the number of hours you use. What it doesn't mean is that you're obligated to use us for any certain number of hours. I mean, beyond the eight-hour daily minimum, if you want to use us you know, just for one week, that's fine. A couple of days, that's fine. There's no obligation. Which takes me to the next question. Yeah. How do we, how does a, a client cancel or pause service? They just call us and let us know that they want to cancel or pause service. And uh, we arrange with scheduling to do that. There's one caveat, which is we need 24 hours um, notice because our caregivers are all lined up already. And so if we have less than 24 hours of service, the client will be charged for the next shift. Got it. Does Cambridge take Medicare or Medicaid? We don't. No um, private service provider accepts that. Medicare does not cover. Medicaid does not cover private service companies. Uh, the one thing we do take is long-term care insurance. And what's the process for long-term care insurance in terms of filing and all of the, the uh, documentation, et cetera? Sure. So each um, company has different requirements. The first requirement is that uh, our company passes their um, uh, criteria, which we do for all of them. Uh, and so then it's just a matter of filing documentation to ascertain how many hours have been incurred. We do that on our end for the client. Um, but people ask all the time, why can't the long-term care company just pay Cambridge directly? And they can't because uh, the client is actually the beneficiary on those long-term care policies. So the long-term care company can only pay the client. So the way it works is the client uses us, they incur a certain fee for us, they pay that, and then they get reimbursement from the long-term care company. Uh, is a client responsible for paying overtime? Yes. If they incur more than 40 hours a week with any one caregiver, uh, that caregiver is entitled to time and a half. And so if a client does not want to pay overtime, what's that process? Very easy. They just tell me they don't want to incur overtime and we add more caregivers to the rotation. So once a caregiver reaches 40 hours in a work week, Department of Labor says they have to be paid time and a half. If a client wants that specific caregiver, we can do our best to arrange, but they're in overtime, they're going to pay time and a half. That's exactly right. Can a caregiver accept tips and gifts? Generally, we ask our caregivers not to accept gifts uh, or tips unless it's for birthday, Christmas, something like that. What is the invoicing process? Every two weeks on a Friday, an invoice is sent to whatever email address we're given in the onboarding documents. If a caregiver's late, when does the clock start? Uh, the clock starts when the caregiver walks into the house. We uh, monitor our clock-ins via GPS system, so the caregiver can't clock in until they're at the house. If they're running late, they are not paid for that time. I hope this has been helpful in answering your questions as you navigate the complex maze of elder care. If you have any additional questions, don't hesitate to reach out directly.